This episode ends up being about a speech that a young activist, who you might not know, uh, who you might not know by the time you listen to this in 20, 30 years, um, but who is famous right now, Andy Warhol style. Um, she's about 15, and it's, it's about a speech this Greta Thunberg has made to the uh, General Assembly of the UN in New York overnight. And it's about climate change, you know. And in the, um, in the um, speech, she canes the grown-ups for their inaction on climate change. Um, and I think it's a great speech. Um, I think there's one or two things um, that she hasn't considered because the speech, and you know, she's 15. Um, there's one or two things she hasn't considered. Um, number one, she uh, clearly thinks that the world leaders really had much of a choice. Have, that she thinks the world that world leaders have perhaps more power than they do have. Um, you know, that's a guess of mine. Just having read history, um, you know, we often like to think that um, all that the world leaders have to do is all get together and decide what they want to do. And, um, and then it will be done, you know, because they're the world leaders, you know. But just because they're called world leaders doesn't mean they are. Um, they're frightened of something too. Um, the people. The mobs. The people they don't rule, you know. The people who they don't lead. The people who, if they make certain decisions, will riot and um, bring them down. Um, so I think Greta Thunberg, her fury, she, uh, you, I'll, I'll play the speech, her fury seems to um, be um, the sort of fury that you would have if someone could have done something and then didn't. You know, and I'm not convinced that our world leaders have as much power as she, perhaps she thinks they have. You know, she might have more power than them. We shall see. And if she does, great. And the speech was a good idea. You know? um, and the other thing um, she... Um, the other thing um, I think she's assuming is that they even can get their heads together. That they even have the power to do that, you know. So there's a lot of factors at play here. I don't discuss any of this in the coming episode. I think I wander and digress into, you know, other angles on this, you know. But all these things are a consideration, I think, you know. And the other thing is, yes, um, uh, you know, like um, Donald Trump and um, Xi, Xi, Xi Ping. Um, oh, crikey, have I got his name right? Um, yeah, the Chinese... Uh, head, um, you know, can they get their heads together? Have they even got the power to get their heads together? You know, I mean, oh, there's, there's so many factors. You know, um, the Middle East, you know, Israel versus Palestine, and all that. Um, there's a lot of geopolitics going on, and um, and you know, can. With all that geopolitics, is it even possible for some of the world leaders to go with the Paris Accord, for example? And if they did, would the whole the whole show fall apart? You know, like geopolitics would it fall apart, and would we descend? Would we descend into war? Possibly. You know, maybe not. You can you know, launch a case that if everyone did get their heads together, um, look. Have you have you have a look at geopolitics over the last thousand, two thousand years? It's not always as easy as it seems to a 15-year-old. All right, that's all I want to say. Um, look, there's a hundred different angles. Um, another thing that occurred to me as she was speaking her speech, which I'll put on in a minute, actually, um, 
is that um, she's coming at it from a certain perspective, which seems to me to be a perspective that's yeah, very um, European, Judeo-Christian, the environment is here for us, you know, you, uh, that the older generation has to protect the environment for future generations, which sounds obvious, you know, like, how can you dispute that? But um, this one might be a bit subtle, uh, but I think there, you know, like, um, there is an argument to be had that, look, you know, Greta is saying, how dare you not protect the environment for me? You've ruined my future, you know? Um, now, look, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but, you know, sometimes I think we should go more the indigenous um, angle. You know, her whole speech, I don't know, you check it out yourself when I play it in a minute. Um, an indigenous Australian, for example, if an indigenous Australian were to uh, make such a speech, it wouldn't sound anything like the, the Greta's because she is very much a Westerner. She's thinking with a Western hat on, a Westerner's hat on, um, and very much a 15-year-old Westerner's hat on, which is egocentric on two levels, you know, because Westerners are very egocentric in as much as they think the environment is here for us, and a 15-year-old even more so, you know, because a 15-year-old's brain is, you know, naturally quite egocentric, and um, it's all about you are spoiling the world for my future, my future, and look, you judge for yourself how that all plays out in her speech, but I think an indigenous person, if they were to get a a seat, uh, uh, get to have a a speech at the um, UN General Assembly, and someone who really does have a a feel for the way indigenous people look at the environment, it would be a very different speech, you know, so in some senses, the Greta, you know, like if you're listening to the Greta Thunberg speech and saying this nails it on every possible level, um, you know, uh, it, it still can have other you know, we still need other approaches besides a 15-year-old Westerner's approach, you know. Um, because the danger of that approach, I think, and this might be a bit too subtle even for me to sort of flesh out, um, there's, a, you know, like if, if we keep thinking of the environment as being there for us, you know, um, the environment exists for us, you know, and, you know, she's then like, look probably a long bow but she sort of the whole speech is that environment is there for me when I grow up and you the grown-ups have have wrecked it you know you got to have it and you're wrecking it for me you know um but if 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 all young people follow the Greta sort of approach you know they're they're still locked into that sort of western kind of thinking that the environment and it's a very judeo-christian thing too you know um that whole idea that the environment is here for us, you know, which could be part of the problem as to how we've got ourselves in this fix in the first place. You know, I'm trying to make it a bit harder than it seems, you know, because Greta's Greta's um, chastisement of grown-ups is that they had a they had an opportunity, you know, they had an easy chance to do the right thing and decided not to through greed. And I think yes, of course, there's greed. You know, of course there's greed, but there's a lot of other things too, um, for reasons just said. Uh, they, I'm not sure that the world, our world leaders, sometimes they want to do the wrong thing, right thing, and can't. You know, um, they're not dictators per se in the old-fashioned sense. Um, and uh, you know, maybe Greta should be, and maybe she is, chastising older people in general for doing what they're doing. You know, but if she doesn't have a complete shift in what they call these days as paradigm in their head, perhaps into even indigenous thinking, where the environment is there for its own sake. Not for us, not for Greta, not for, you know, the children of, you know, not for our children. It's not there for our children so that it's still there when they grow up, you know. And in fact, you know, even before her speech, my last few episodes have been about... On one level, I think humans 
it would be a good idea if they went extinct for the good of the environment. Now, that would not um, compute for Greta, I think, judging on this one speech. You know, I haven't heard all their other utterances, but judging on this speech, um, that is not a, you know, that's probably a whole layer too far. Yeah. But there are other layers, is all, oh, that's all I'm getting at, you know. Um, if everyone would think, start to get that into our heads, uh, if we would all get into our heads that the environment is not here for us, not here for the children, you know, not here for um, the next generation, you know, in 30 years, um, but is here for itself. And in fact, you know, if we would get humble enough to say that it would be a good idea if we all, you know, our, we humans probably, look, if we humans hang around, I think the environment's stuffed, is what I'm getting at. I don't care how much renewables and all that sort of stuff. If we keep inventing new ways of um, feeding more people, we'll just have more babies and all that sort of stuff. You know, we're not going to get sustainable, the human race. We're just going to drink our urine for nothing, our own urine for nothing in the end, because we'll keep populating to the maximum extent we possibly can and keep feeling, filling blank spaces a little bit like matter you know, uh, fills a vacuum um, in, in this universe. And a little like bacteria, if it's let loose on bread, we'll just keep devouring the bread until, um, until the bread's all gone and then it dies as well. You know, the bread goes and the bacteria dies. I don't think we are much smart. I think we are not much smarter than bacteria is what I'm getting at. I think we are. And if we hang around, the environment's stuffed. You know, if Greta even gets her way, um, we're stuffed, you know, we're just got to keep populating and we're a mess, you know. I think humans are a plague, I honestly think this, for the betterment, and I explored this in all the episodes leading up to this one, I think humans are a plague on the environment, they're a big mistake, you know, it's a big mistake, you know, um, and it will be better for um, life on earth as a whole, which is what we're here for. You know, if we get outside our little egocentric way of thinking, um, why did life pop into existence in the first place, you know? For itself to become as good as it can be. And with humans here, you know, that's a wrong turn by life on Earth. And it should... And and, um, and the environment should get rid of humans, you know, maybe by a, a, a disease or something, or an infertility sort of... Um, the virus that spreads right through the human race it will be the best for the environment if if humans died and that doesn't come across in Greta's speech you know and maybe I'm mad for thinking along these lines now and it's not practical what I'm saying it's not helpful you know um but it just illustrates that there's more than one angle you know not just this angle that Greta is putting forward you know, her speech is furious because how dare you grown-ups ruin the environment for us young people. But then, those grown-ups, those old people, they were the young people saying that a generation or two generations ago, and they were railing against the old people. They're old people, you know, they are the young people. Greta is angry at herself in 30 years, yeah? Um, not Greta personally, she might be the exception, but most people Greta's age who are nodding furiously at Greta are just, you know, like lemmings going to be, are going to follow in their in their own parents' footsteps, and they're just going to be as bad as the grown-ups themselves, you know, I, I think, I think, you know, it's happened before, it happened last time, um, uh, every sort of conservative old person, all that, they used to be the young people marching the streets, you know, hippie era. The flower people, you know, um, my era, you know, I was born into the flower power era, and we were the radicals, you know, and now we've all grown up and become conservatives, and young people think all, pretty much all, old people are impossibly conservative, you know, and that would be both sides of politics, both sides of politics in Australia, for example, and in America too, but, you know, Liberal and Labour. In Australia, um, 
you know, the, the right and the left, liberal and labor, and, um, and over in America, Republicans and Democrats, you know, which are right and left, you know, which, um, what are they, conservative and liberal, a different liberal than the, uh, forget about liberal, we've talked about that. Um, we're all liberals. Right, now, whether you're left or right or conservative or progressive, we're all liberals, depending on whether you think your idea is liberty for the people, you know. All right, now, um, so that's that. Look, it's just helpful, I think. Yeah, this episode coming up is me being unhelpful in even questioning Greta Thunberg. It's unhelpful for me to be doing that. Um, and, um, and but I think it's helpful um, to question even the people who seem to be getting things right, who seem to be wanting the best things, and who are wanting the best things. And um, I think it's a good thing that Greta exists because she started a very important conversation. She hasn't started it. It's been had before. In fact, a lot of grown-ups are just as passionate as Greta is at 15. When she says... You, the older generation, have ruined it for we, the younger generation. She means those in the older generation who were selfish, you know, or whatever. Um, but I think it's an unstoppable force. I think she's just marching um, to the gallows, really. Her generation is marching to the gallows because such a huge change in thinking is required that, you know, a complete change of thinking is required. And the way Greta talks, she still sounds like a Westerner, very much in the Judeo-Christian um, tradition that sees the environment being existing in the service of humans. And I think a complete change in thinking might even be a better idea. Look, there's a few ideas I've rolled around in there. now. If you think that even the very act of um, thinking through and questioning um, someone who is the darling of the climate change debate at the moment, if you think she shouldn't be touched, then some of these ideas I'm rolling around at the moment, and there's quite a few in there if you can get through my rambling speech, um, uh, then... Um, you'd be missing, you know, some of these ideas would never come out. And this is why it's very important to question everything and everybody, even if you think they're, they're doing exactly the right thing, even if you think they're nailing everything. You know, because if Greta Thunberg's, if Greta Thunberg's, I can't say her name properly, I don't know, um, is um, if her speech is put up on um, Facebook, I, I dare say most of the comments would be nailed it, nailed it, nailed it, nailed it. Now, that's dangerous if people are just going to um, just not even question, you know, those who they think they are even right. You need to question those people you think are wrong, for example, if you hate Donald Trump for what he's doing for the environment, and you need to question even more strongly the people you think are right. And because there lies the greatest danger. There is where you might accidentally buy too much of what they're saying because you're so eager to agree. Very dangerous, you know. All right, now look, a couple of, okay, some of my thoughts that came out there were that, um, I think that, in summary, the level of Greta's fury seems to suggest, suggest to me that she thinks that world leaders have more power than they have. Um, you know how economics is a force of all by itself that no no one in the world is in charge of. World, you know, um, the stock market and all that sort of stuff. It's, it controls itself. It's a beast. No one's controlling it. You can't blame anyone when this. Where you can, you know, there are things you can try to do, policies and all that sort of stuff. But in the end, economics goes um, is a beast that rolls along, and nobody knows when things are going to crash or. You know, and there's different policies you can put in place, but all the policies have risks. You know, same goes with geopolitics. You can, um, you can um, go with climate change policies, which may 
which seem good, but could actually um, throw us into a very destructive war that could destroy the environment even quicker. You know? um, let's say uh, the Paris Accord was asking for double the um, emissions uh, cuts, you know, um, double the targets, you know, on em- emissions reductions, right? And then the world leaders all got together and said, we are forcing this through, which is pretty much what Greta Thunberg would like. Guess what? Now I'm talking doubling what the Paris Accord was suggesting, right? Now, if you're 15, you might say to yourself, yes. In fact, if I was the king of the world right now, I would force that. Well, I honestly think there would be a war with nuclear bombs going off and all sorts of things if you did that. If you don't think it would happen if you doubled the targets, then triple them. You know, world leaders have got more to consider. This is no excuse, you know, but it's just a practical reality. Now, just like economics has a life of its own, so does geopolitics to a certain extent. It's not as easy, you know. Now, this seems a cop-out, but it's not a cop-out. I'm not trying to make excuses for the current generation of old people. I'm making excuses for Greta's generation, who are all going to find themselves in government soon. They're going to be the president of the US, and they're going to be the prime minister of Australia and the prime minister of England. They're going to be the secretary general of the UN. You know, they're going to occupy, they're going to be the pope. Um, They're going to be every possible type of world. They're going to be the leader of the World Bank. All the 15-year-olds today are going to find themselves in that position and they're all going to go, "Uh oh, this isn't actually as easy as making a decision. And when they don't make that decision, when they fail to make that decision on, you know, let's say halving emissions, in, you know, because it'll be even more critical by then in 30 years' time, the need, you know, the environment, I think, will be absolutely starting to really collapse in 30 or 40 years, I really do. And when these 15-year-olds of today become 45 and 55, they are going to be under pressure from the 15-year-olds 45, 50, 30 years from now. They're going to be under pressure from the new crop of 15-year-olds to cut emissions by 75%. And this generation, Greta's generation, are going to be going, um, um, we don't have the political will. In fact, no, we don't have the political, um, we don't think we can without descending into war or something like that. You know what I mean? It's not just about falling into recession. It's falling into war. There's all sorts of things. Then there's competition. And and guess what? You know, when you say, when Greta says, why can't all you grown-ups put your heads together? It's just a, you know, whether you believe in God or not, God made us not to like each other, and we cannot get along. We hate each other's guts half the time. You know, Iran and Iraq hate each other's guts more than they hate, more than they want the environment to survive. And to a certain extent, the, you know, the push and pull between China and America and different ideologies around the world and religion and all that sort of stuff, um... Uh, for a lot of people they would rather see their enemy crushed even if it meant the environment um, would co- the ecosystem would collapse you know, of the world the biomass, you know would turn into a sludge they would rather see that it sounds incredible, but it's tr- I think it's true you know, it's not as easy and this is why it's good, I think to think through. Now, I'm going to, um, and, and not just listen, look at a Greta Thunberg um, clip and um, not question it at all. You know, when you, if you, and when you, if you or when you listen to Greta Thunberg, did you just listen to her and go, oh my God, and not even think any further on it? I think that's dangerous. Even if you, as I do, completely think that her speech was vital okay let's have the speech and then let's get on to the episode which starts off about something else I was talking about footy or something but it ends up talking about all this you know
Possibly what I was thinking in a lot of that chat just now was um, the Greta speech is pretty much about uh, grown-ups betraying the next generation. You know, the, the betrayal is between generation old and generation young. Uh, whereas there would be others who may have thought about the environment in a different way who you know, might give a speech to the UN and say we are, dis- we are betraying the environment itself which is a different nothing to do with the young people you know we are betraying our duty to the environment the environment itself you know our duty to be a um, a uh, responsible member of all the species on earth of life on earth you know is that too sophisticated for humans to think like that i think yes I don't think we're that smart. I don't think we're that um, selfless. I don't, you know, this is why I think we should be got rid of. I may be joking there and I may not. I'm not sure. Oh, and, and of all the rambling I just did then, the one thing I am thinking about is um, I am attracted to the sort of Indigenous Australian idea of promoting the idea that the environment exists for its own sake. And that might be a, a mind shift that Westerners like Donald Trump and Greta Thunberg together, I think both have... Um, that says that the environment is here to serve humans. And I think if we shift that mindset, then that would be a good idea. Otherwise, we're just going to repeat the same mistakes because, if, you know, Greta's just the last in a long line of young people railing against older people, and it happens every generation. They just end up the older people themselves and do the same things, and the next, the next, the next young people start railing against them. You know, as I, as I'm saying more than once. Um, but if we, if we, you know, if we had a complete mind shift, um, uh, you know, and maybe get an indigenous Australian person to explain that mind shift to us. Um, that would be a good follow-up speech to have in the UN. Uh, get an Indigenous person who's really in touch with the ideas of Indigenous Australia and is able to sort of express those in a, in a, as, as well as Greta can express her ideas. That would be a good follow-up, almost um, a Greta speech 2.0. And the minute I say that we can have a Greta speech 2.0, I'm saying that Greta, uh, you know, is... is just one angle and um, and that there are other ways to look at it as well and maybe look there's no doubt Greta thinks that herself you know if she is able to think that um, look away we go And, oh crikey, I always do this, but I just thought of one more thing. <laughs> and it's this. And uh, look, and, and, and another um, sort of thing to think about as you listen to Greta Thunberg's speech um, is this. As she's caning grown-ups, you might think this is a young person's versus old person's thing. You know, because that's the way the speech comes across. But on a very big level, Greta is actually working for old people as she says this speech. This is a speech that they want her to say too. You know, there's a lot of old people in the UN, for example. The Secretary General of the UN, in fact, was smiling um, very much as she was speaking because he has been trying to get this through 
the thick head of people like Donald Trump and, you know, Australia, you know, um, himself, and he couldn't get it through their thick heads. Oh, lots and lots, all the people, um, the old people um, who have been trying to push the Paris Accord on climate change and all this sort of stuff, uh, they've been trying to find how, how we need another way to smash these ideas into the heads of these bastards who won't come on deck with the Paris Accord, you know. Um, and so, much as the following speech sounds like young people in general, angry at old people in general, it's actually, um, in the real world, old people are in opposition to old people on this matter. All right. Uh, that's, I'm at a hospital, so the helicopter will be very loud. We don't mind those fossil fuels because... You know, it's an ambulance helicopter we don't mind burning fossil fuels for that because you know if you if you're injured or you know you're just about to die all right um all right now um yeah um it's it's easy and i started to think even as i was listening to the following that this is old people versus young people sort of that old thing you know but it's not um what you've got is old people are in heated disagreement with old people on this matter of climate change and you know they're hoping and what other angle how can we you know people who are for emissions reductions are thinking how can we how can we we need to you know we need we need to get this going you know what can we do about donald trump and all these people you know um and greta thunberg is um, is falling into line with those grown-ups against the other grown-ups, you know. Look, yeah, that's just another angle. Let's have a speech. This is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. And yet, I'm one of the lucky ones. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. And all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? For more than 30 years, the science has been crystal clear. How dare you continue to look away and come here saying that you are doing enough when the politics and solutions needed are still nowhere in sight. You say you hear us and that you understand the urgency. But no matter how sad and angry I am, I do not want to believe that, because if you really understood the situation and still kept on failing to act, then you would be evil, and that I refuse to believe. The popular idea of cutting our emissions in half in 10 years only gives us a 50% chance of staying below 1.5 degrees and the risk of setting off irreversible chain reactions beyond human control. 50% may be acceptable to you, but those numbers do not include tipping points, most feedback loops, additional warming hidden by toxic air pollution or the aspects of equity and climate justice. They also rely on my generation sucking hundreds of billions of tons of your CO2 out of the air with technologies that barely exist. So a 50% risk is simply not acceptable to us, we who have to live with the consequences. To have a 67% chance of staying below a 1.5 degrees of global temperature rise, the best odds given by the IPCC, 
the world had 420 gigatons of CO2 left to emit back on January 1st, 2018. Today that figure is already down to less than 350 gigatons. How dare you pretend that this can be sold with just business as usual and some technical solutions? With today's emissions levels, that remaining CO2 budget will be entirely gone within less than eight and a half years. There will not be any solutions or plans presented in line with these figures here today because these numbers are too uncomfortable and you are still not mature enough to tell it like it is. You are failing us, but the young people are starting to understand your betrayal. The eyes of all future generations are upon you. And if you choose to fail us, I say we will never forgive you. We will not let you get away with this. Right here, right now, is where we draw the line. The world is waking up. And change is coming, whether you like it or not. Uh, that was interesting listening to that properly. Previously, I had only heard snippets, and they, those snippets were enough to get me going on this episode and the one that follows this, which was actually recorded earlier. So I've spoken for a couple of hours on Greta Thunberg's speech, uh, but hadn't even heard it fully yet. Uh, but it was interesting to listen to. Oh, by the way, um, this, I don't need to listen to anything properly or research anything properly to do my podcast uh, because it's my podcast is not trying to uh, be comprehensive or to deal with things correctly or properly all the way down the line. Um, it's not even trying to be correct. It's quite happy to be wrong half the time. Uh, couldn't care less. You know, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here just to throw ideas around. That's all. That's all I want to do. Yeah. If I feel like starting to talk halfway through listening to a speech by someone, then I'll just start talking and not listen to the rest of the speech. And then maybe listen to the rest of the speech later, which is what I've just done. Um, sometimes I see a headline. You know, I don't even read the article. And I'll speak for an hour on that headline. Yeah, and someone might say, don't comment on the headline until you read the article. Yeah, that, that's what yeah, the author of the article might say. And I said, no, um, I don't care what the article's about. I just want to talk about what the headline seems to be about. You know? um, even the article's not going to fully capture whatever the person uh, wanted to get across. Um, so, uh, you know, unless that person is an absolute genius at expression, because no one can get all their thoughts down properly. So if reading the article is not going to give me a full idea of what a person's getting at, then, um, how much, oh, who cares anyway, you know. Um, all right, so that's that. But look, I, I, I was interested in listening to all of that. There were some stats there, uh, that, you know, I was talking somewhere in this episode, um, about you know the possibility that um, the real emissions targets were three percent or maybe four percent or maybe five percent you know emissions reductions you know but she's talking about fifty percent is that what the Paris Accord is all about fifty percent reductions that seems too much to me um, it's like setting targets you can't meet yeah um, I haven't been following climate science yeah you know, I follow other things like football and all that sort of thing. Um, and uh, my children around. I follow my children around too much, you know. Um, but, um, yeah, um, do, does it make any difference if you set a 50% uh, target or a 40% target if our emissions are actually increasing? Are our emissions actually increasing? What's this targets business? I feel, you know, I just get this gut feeling our emissions are increasing. Not even starting to decrease. Is that true? I don't even know. Um, you would know. And if you do, you know, 
talk to yourself about it. Now, um, the funny thing about all this emissions increasing, when I was about you know, the late 70s, you know, um, and we lived a fair way from Melbourne, uh, in the centre of Victoria, actually, uh, and there was a fossil fuels crisis back then, and it was huge news. And we actually thought oil was going to run out. I'm surprised it's still going. In fact, there seems to be more of it going around. We were worried that we lived too far from Melbourne and that, you know, once we went back to horses, so to speak, you know, we'd be a bit cut off. Uh, but now, and, you know, we thought, wow, we've got a lot of cars and we won't be able to drive them anymore. We thought that was coming. Sort of, you know. Um, but here I am, and I was, you know, I, was, I would have been 16 then, or 17, and now here I, am, here I am. Actually, I would have only been 15 or 16, like this Greta. And here we are, and I'm 56, and there's even more cars. In fact, ridiculously more cars. And what was the population of the world when I was born? Or when I was 16, you know? And what's the population of the world now? And um, industry and all that sort of stuff, it's all gone through the roof, hasn't it? You know, we thought we were about to scale down when I was 16. And, you know, this Paris Accord now, when Greta is 16 or 15 or whatever she is, is, you know, look, Greta seems to be here talking about um, hoping for a 50% reduction. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, and saying that's not enough and she needs, I don't know what, I didn't quite grab everything she was talking about. I was doing a couple of things, getting ready for bed, so I wasn't listening that closely. But she seemed to be um, hoping for more than a 50% reduction. You know. um, but my guess is there'll be an increase. But I've got, you know, like I said, I don't follow the science. Um, I have no idea on any stats. I'm not here to um, put up a well-thought-out scientific sort of reflection on whatever Greta Thunberg is saying. She's got all the science. I haven't. And I'm not about the science in these podcasts. I'm just here about throwing up some ideas and annoying the hell out of anyone young who is listening to this podcast who would be thinking, you, old man, are part of the problem. You are the problem because you're so casual. Listen to you. Yeah, that's true. Now, um, and you know, the worst thing I'm doing, I, I'm pretty sure I'm not really teaching my kids much about... Um, what is a tragedy in our immediate future coming up and what they should be doing. I am not turning my kids into climate warriors at this point and I actually think I might actually start getting them going on that. You know, Even though I'm not much into it, I should get them going on to it, into it. And I think I might actually start doing that a bit more than I have been doing. Look, I've always talked about you know um, that. But it's very hard to um, sort of teach your kids that sort of stuff without being a hypocrite because I, I am on the road all day long, every day, um, running the kids around and to their activities and a hundred other things to do with the family and I'm just, I'm just always driving. As you probably hear in these podcasts I make, um, I'm always, you always hear the sound of my car engine in the background, don't you? I am part of the problem. Yeah. Um, should I um, be only letting my kids do activities that are walking distance and public transport accessible? Yeah. Why have we set our kids up in activities and they're all, you know, they're doing horse riding and... Um, you know, uh, piano and singing and scouts and all of these things uh, require me to drive them places, you know. Um, why have I done that? Uh, 
Yeah, I, because I'm part of the problem and I'm kind of teaching them to be part of the problem too, aren't I? Um, yeah, we should stay a lot more local. One thing we don't do, but that's, this is not because we're good. We don't travel much at all. You know, I've only been overseas in my life twice. There are people who are passionate about climate who go overseas all the time. You know, including for holiday and for unnecessary business travel too. I hear about it a lot. You know? um, and they're passionate about the environment, but my God, do they burn some avgas. You know? Um, you know, you're sitting in an aeroplane and it's so nice and comfortable and they a little bit of music on and it all seems nice, but um, underneath you, those jet engines are just burning massive amounts of fossil fuel. It's a raging inferno of you know, CO2 emissions under them. And sometimes they're reading a book on climate change or listening to a Greta Thunberg um, speech. Very interesting. Paul McCartney, he's the biggest hypocrite I've ever seen. I've ever seen. Um, he was doing a... Um, you know, he's all into the environment and animals and all that sort of stuff. You know, he's a big fake, Paul McCartney. I, I like um, hating Paul McCartney because he reminds me of me. He's just so impossibly cheerful, even when he's being a big hypocrite. You know, um, nothing seems to faze him, and he's a lot like me in that way. You know, he used to drive John Lennon nuts, but anyway, he's always on about all the right causes and everything. Oh, just if you want to get the cut of his jib, you know, because he's he's part of the beautiful set. He's with Meryl Streep and all that, you know, and Obama and the Clintons and all that sort of stuff. You know, he's in that whole set, the progressive set. Um, uh, listen to a song by Paul McCartney called Womankind, you know, because I know every Paul McCartney song. I must know every Paul McCartney song. I listen to hardly anybody except Paul McCartney because I'm obsessed with his music. You know, can't stand the guy, but I'm obsessed with his music. I listen to it all the time. Now, listen to a song, Google it, Womankind. Now, he's part of the progressive beautiful set, and, you know, he's into feminism and animal rights and all this sort of stuff. Listen to Womankind. I might even put it on in a sec. Actually, I think I would. I think I will. <laughs> yeah, that can be it. Before I do, I forgot to say what I was about to say. You know. uh, Paul McCartney was in Brazil doing a concert and his daughter, to his most um, second most recent wife, um, was doing a school play and he became father of the year in his own mind. You know, Everyone thought he was wonderful because he's, he's pulled the wool over everybody's eyes. John Lennon saw through him, but he, he took a private jet from Brazil back to London, saw his daughter's play and then came back to Brazil for the next night's concert. And everyone thought, oh, now there's a lovely dad. You know, but Greta would have said, my goodness, how much avgas did you burn to see one school play or kindergarten play? Um, and, the, and another funny thing about you know, Paul McCartney and the Beatles, has anyone, any band in history um, left a bigger f carbon footprint when you consider all the records they've made and everything, all the concerts they've ever done, you know, you get uh, climate warriors like you too, you know, or whoever doing concerts. Have you ever seen how much electricity those concerts use? It's unbelievable. All right, back to the beautiful Paul McCartney and his wonderful feminist song, Womankind. Womankind, they have a terrible time. From the age of ten, the chance by men, oh, what a crime. 
should send that to Meryl Streep and see if she still wants to be friends with him and whether she still wants to dance on his videos because she did that recently. They're all part of the same set. They're really rich, you know. (laughs) Hmm. I think Meryl would have a big carbon footprint, wouldn't she? (laughs) 